back and better than ever. It's been a little while. However, we're ready to get back to what we do best, and that's talking wrestling. Welcome to Collar and Elbow Wrestling Podcast, where we bring you an unmatched love of professional wrestling. I am Kenny Oak, and with me as always to talk about wrestling is Chris Harris. And today, we're doing our patented and proven paper review, where we dig deep into the archives to bring you a fresh perspective on an older pay-per-view. And today, we return to where it all began again. Yes, WrestleMania 20 in New York City. Chris, I know you're very excited about this one. As for me, I wasn't all that excited when you brought it up, but I have to have to admit some of these matches may have swayed my opinion a little bit. Yeah, Bob, it's, it's real good to be back here. We've uh, we've missed a little bit of time in here, but this is a good one to get us back into the rhythm. I wasn't all excited about doing it either, but there was some stuff in here that I really thought that we could talk about that would uh, kind of showcase the good stuff that did go on here at WrestleMania 20. Yeah, and there was a lot of good that came out of this pay-per-view. Uh, you know, you see the the rise of John Cena, and he was super over during this time. His Doctor of Thugonomics gimmick was over big time with the crowd. And, you know, you saw some a little bit of changing of the guard with some of the uh, title matches. And overall... I wasn't that excited going into it, but afterwards, I, I, I have to say that I've gained a large appreciation for WrestleMania 20 as a whole. Yeah, this one, in some ways, it did underwhelm a bit, but, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot to the card. I mean, there's several people. This card is packed full of people, as they started to do in it's WrestleMania five hours, since then. It's almost re- five hours long. Yeah, it's really long, and that seemed to... It's not always the greatest thing to have a five-hour-long pay-per-view. But uh, they, they definitely tried to fill this one full of everyone, get everyone a little bit of showcase out there. And I don't mind that. I like giving people the chance to get out there and at least be at WrestleMania. And, and the matches weren't all that great. I and mean, we have people like the La Resistance who at least got an appearance. Oh, I'm glad you brought them in. But uh, but they're in here. They're on the card. And they, they got to partake in a match at least. So there's good. They were, actually a, uh, they were actually a big part of that match. They spent most of the time of that match in the ring. So uh, that was very interesting to see. And, and it's good to see, you know, these kind of lower tier teams and, and lower tier uh, workers get a lot of uh, airtime, especially at a WrestleMania. Right. And this one, this one had a little bit of everything. There's good emotion in this one that we get to in the end. There's really good matches in the middle. We're going to talk about Jericho and Christian. There's some typical tag team, tag team stuff, heel and face stuff. This one, this one had it all a little bit underwhelming for what WrestleMania should have been especially for a number 20 where it all began again as the model that was used. But uh, in general, I'm still glad we picked this one to, to get through because there's some good stuff to talk about. All right, well, let's uh, go ahead and just jump right into it. Uh, WrestleMania 20, it begins with a, a whole lot of pomp and circumstance, which which you really expect. It's, it's 20 years. It, it's the 20th year anniversary. It's where it all begins again. So they're back in New York City, and uh, they really did a good job of uh, – actually a great job of building – the pay-per-view up as being a big deal which you know they try to do every year with wrestlemania but with you know these anniversary ones like the 20 and uh even the 30 uh hell even the 25 they they do a really good job building those up to be uh, even more special uh now i think it all in all like i mentioned earlier it's five hours long It, it was it lasted way too long but that's something we'll get into a little later. I think they did a good job of, of uh, later on pulling the fans back into it. Yeah, they, they needed to showcase this one well to build it up because you want these these highlight ones like 20 and 25 and 30, you want them to be built up pretty big. And they, they tried to do that with having a really big card. And some of it was good, some of it was bad. 
but in general, it, it's still a, a positive WrestleMania. It wasn't trash by any means. There's, there's some there's some good stuff in here, and it starts off with with popping the crowd a little bit with John Cena, who was in the middle of his of his rise, his push, and put him up against a guy like The Big Show to help get him over here for the U.S. title in this match. Yeah, and this was definitely uh, your standard uh, John Cena match for the time, and really, I feel like it's his standard match throughout his whole career where he he spends most of the time getting beat up by Big Show only to come back and win. Right, the the Big Show was a big heel at the time just using his weight to throw around on people and going into this you could easily read that Cena was going to be put over here by the Big Show at WrestleMania. He wasn't going to lose again as he had been in the previous months so this one was a little bit easy to read but the match was still not bad at all. No, it, it definitely wasn't a uh, bad match, and uh, the crowd. What made it what made it a pretty decent match was that the crowd was really into it. Uh, Cena cut, you know, a pretty funny promo on the Big Show to start it up, and and the crowd ate it up big time. And like I said, this was at the height of his Doctor of Thugonomic stage, which I, I enjoyed John Cena at the time. He, you know, they gave him the mic, really told him to say whatever he wanted to say, and he was really funny. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I like the thug version of Cena. He he could go out there and word life. He, he could t- yeah, word life. He could go out there and talk pretty well. He's always been able to run a good promo. And back then, he was kind of just given free reign to go out there and say some stuff, and and he did it pretty well. Yeah, you know, uh, word life, basic thugonomics. Uh, he went out there and uh, you know won the match by hitting his fu. I mean, he spent the whole match getting beat up, but then had had his moment at the end where he comes back, hits the fu, show kicks out. Then he tries to grab his chain, and you know the crowd was eating that up. He throws it to throw so the ref and go get it, and pulls out his word life nux, and and just whops the big. He gives the Big Show two fu's like that. He does. He's yeah. a strong dude. Yeah. John Cena does not get the credit he deserves for being as strong as he is. No, and we we always talk about this. Not we we never really appreciated Cena for as good as he was even back then. Even though you could say we both liked him, but. The dude was strong. He was super talented. He could cut a promo. He never had the greatest move set, which has been argued a lot. But, but to pick up a guy, you know, 450 pounds like the Big Show was, to hit him twice with it, it was, it was a pretty good moment and a good match in the end. Yeah, so uh, all in all, I thought it was a, a great match to start the pay-per-view on. Uh, get the Like you said, get the crowd to pop a little bit, uh, showcase their rising star in Cena. And uh, after the match... Michael Cole just goes absolutely insane trying to put John Cena over, yeah. uh, which which he he then did for the next 13 years. Yeah, and Cole didn't need to get into it like he did, but uh, Cena was going to be over regardless. But you got to really make sure you got to drive it home. You got to make sure he's put over strong, and uh, and he was. Yeah, yeah, make him look strong. Yeah, super strong. But uh, yeah, good match. And then uh, then after this, it goes to after the match, it goes to the. Uh, Backstage, where there there were a lot of backstage segments, and I think they did that mostly just to kind of get fill fill that time because I, I probably what it was they were they allotted okay we're gonna buy five hours of pay per view time shit we don't have enough matches for this we need we need quite a bit of filler right. and there was a whole lot of filler for this pay per view first is the uh, coachman. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Coachman's walking, walking in the back, you know, getting high five by people, you know, talking to people, and then uh, Bischoff, he goes into Bischoff's office, and uh, that's where Bischoff says he wants Coach to go find the Undertaker. Oh, they, they're yeah. hearing uh, strange noises, and and there was a very young John Morrison in, in Eric <laughs> Bischoff's office. 
wearing a trench coat. I don't know why he was wearing a trench coat. And the coach makes another appearance. That's where I put him down here in my notes as he comes back after the next match and that vignette continues with the coach. That's right. Yeah, and, and we'll get to that when, uh, later on. But like you said, uh, Evolution has their uh, promo uh, to get ready for the next match with uh, Foley. And it's the same. They're, they're in front of the same staircase that uh, Randy Orton, who was the legend killer at the time, kicked uh, Mick Foley down. Yeah, they, they so changed camera was, angles and locations for this vignette, I think, three or four times in the taping of this. I didn't really necessarily like that. You could just tell they were just trying to drag it out a little bit longer, and I didn't care for the you know, the stuff that they were saying. It really wasn't necessary, I think, because the match was built enough. But uh, they, it was them trying to fill time, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And throughout the entire show, there was a ton of that. But, I mean, th- there was a lot of filler, but at least the filler led to something right you know there, there was a there was a point to each thing and uh so so after after these vignettes uh we've got our next match which is for the uh, world tag team championships which was uh on raw at the time and you mentioned la resistance first and uh they went up against garrison cade who later became uh lance cade and mark jindrak uh versus the dudley's versus the champions at the time, Booker T and RVD. And uh, uh, what, what did you think about this match? I thought it was a pretty fun match. I mean, I thought it was a little bit messy at times, as kind of I expected. I didn't think that La Resistance and Jindrak and Cade would work a, a good match with these guys. Most of the match, a lot of it was Booker T and RVD in the ring putting people down. And um, you see the, the Dudleys get their stabs in a little bit. Um, I didn't think it ever really developed into anything I liked because I didn't necessarily... Aside from uh, Booker and RVD, I never had a care for much of these guys um, as workers in the ring. The Dudleys can can be loved and hated for what they do, but you know they're not the greatest technicians. But uh, in general, I thought it was okay at best, I guess. Yeah, and this was uh, the Dudleys had just recently gotten back together after uh, both of them had failed singles attempts. Uh, Booker T spent most of the match in the ring, mm-hmm. uh, either beating up or getting beat up by the other teams. Uh, mostly a lot of resistance, which was uh, right. surprising to me. Uh, but one one of the notes that really uh, I, I had to bring up is that I to this day I still believe Booker T has one of the best spine busters in all of wrestling. I like his spine buster. I like his version of it. Yeah, and he he was definitely someone who uh, did not get the respect he deserved in WWE. Uh, he was a fantastic wrestler, but he was mostly just relegated to tag team work. You know, he had his tag team with RVD tag teamed with uh gold dust you know most of the time he was spent as a tag team wrestler when really he in my opinion could have easily been a main event uh singles guy at the time yeah he lost a lot of his momentum when he came over from when wcw failed when he was the world heavyweight champion he you know got into some stuff with steve austin for a bit but then he after that he really slowly slowly started to fade got into the rock a little bit the rock beat him for the title at SummerSlam. But then he really does do a lot of mid-card work and a lot of tag team work, which I think held him back a little bit. Yeah, and because uh, c- really when you're putting tag teams constantly like that, it makes it makes you feel like that's all you really are as a, as a tag team guy. You can't really make it on your own as a singles guy. And you know he proves later on that you know yes, I can be a singles guy. I can be a main event player. But unfortunately for a majority of his WWE career, he was spent relegated as a tag team guy uh same with rvd also rvd mm-hmm. was in a lot of tag teams but uh 
another thing I wanted to bring up is that RVD has the most athletic-looking frog splash ever. And I just love how, how he hits it, and he sells his own pain. Like, like, he did the frog splash to himself almost. Right, he gets the most air you'll see. He get, just jumps as high as you, humanly possible, and then he comes down, and he's the one hurt. But uh, he still gets, still gets the pin, though. Still gets the pin like he does here in this match with a yeah. super big frog splash, but then he just ends up in death. Yeah. Uh, it takes him like 10 seconds to get the pin because he's rolling around on the ground, <laughs> kicking kicking his feet. Gotta sell it, though. Yeah. And does he. But uh, Conway takes the pin, so La Resistance gets beaten. Booker T and RVD retain the title, which... It was it was the right thing to do. Both both of the tag team matches were the exact same, and yeah. you know, you definitely there wasn't enough build to it to think that the champs were going to lose the titles, and you know they the champs were just too hot to take the titles off in a match like this. Yeah, especially if you're doing a fatal four way tag where you're putting eight people in the ring, two lower mid card teams like Caden Jindrak and La Resistance, they're not going to get the, the title change here, and the Dudleys really weren't in a position to take it back. So it was a, it was a good finish. And then uh, after this match, uh, we get a second backstage uh, vin- moment, vignette, whatever you want to call it, with Coach hot on the hot on the tail of the Undertaker, still trying to find Undertaker, hearing weird noises, and uh, this is when he runs into uh, Mean Gene and uh, Bobby Heenan, <laughs> getting it, getting it on with uh, Moolah and Mae Young. Yeah, once again, you know, it's it's a this is a, a little vignette to. I mean, get Bobby Heenan on the screen, get Mean Gene on the screen, because they're they're guys you want to have making appearances like this at WrestleManias, and why not yeah. have Moolah and Mae Young come out? It was obviously it was a weird thing <laughs> that they were, you know, so doing weird. naughty stuff in the closet, and there was lipstick everywhere, and I don't know. It was a good time filler because I mean I I got a giggle out of it, and it's good to see Bobby Heenan, but uh, still gross. Yeah, and this was Bobby Heenan was on the downslope health wise. Right. Uh, at this time, so he he definitely wasn't the same. But like you said, it was it was good to see him. He's he's definitely one of the best on the mic as a play by play, a color commentator that the WWE and wrestling as a whole ever had. Because he was fantastic in WCW also. Yeah, I really liked hearing him. I like. I mean, he he always always kept it entertaining. He was uh, definitely part of the the golden era for commentating back when. Uh, Wrestling was more of a show with Hogan just doing nonsense. So, uh, yeah, his voice is always classic to hear on some of those older shows. Yeah, and he was definitely the uh, consummate uh, heel. You know, he he always yeah. played a really good heel commentator. Always had some negative stuff Which, to say. Yeah, JBL's no Heenan. I think that's I think that's <sighs> what we're missing. Is, Ball game. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, had a moment there. Uh, are you okay? Did yeah, you black yeah. out? Yeah, John Cena kicked out, but I still said ball game. <laughs> Big match, John. Ah, Wait, I'm a heel. Oh, uh, I don't, know I don't care. Doing. It's John Cena. Got to make him strong. Yeah. Uh, enough of that. Okay. Anyway, after after that backstage segment, we got the uh, lead-in, the uh, recap of the uh, Christian and Jericho feud, and uh, this was a. I, I remember this feud vividly. Because you know this was at the height of my wrestling fandom. Because uh, I remember Christian and Chris Jericho had a bet of who were, who was going to get lucky first, and then they they bet one Canadian dollar, <laughs> <laughs> and then 
and then Jericho falls in love with Trish, and then Trish finds out. It, it's it's just a typical you know soap opera. When, when people say, "Oh, wrestling is just soap opera for men," this is a prime example of that right there. Right. This is uh, Trish was very much used as an object in this storyline, just to have something to fight over as they get into this love triangle type type segment, and that's something we really don't see much anymore. Because this the female wrestling world is Thank so much God. so much bigger, and we don't have to like look down on women as objects. Because WWE would paint them as objects back then, and eh, sure we all loved it because she was hot, but uh, not so much now. Yeah, well, I bet Vince still. I, I bet he just sits in the back going, "Oh, why? Why do they want to wrestle? Why don't they just want to go out there and uh, see?" That's why I like Lana. She just goes out there and she doesn't ask to wrestle. That, yeah, that's, just go, that's go out there and look hot. That's me as Vince. Yeah, just. I know you're not Russian, but talking a Russian accent, that's sexy. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> but make sure you forget that you're Russian sometimes. And... Right, and speak super clear English. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love Rusev, though. No, he, yeah, he's super over, I wish. Okay, getting off topic. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry, we strayed there. But, th- okay, this match, yeah, Jericho and Christian. So yeah. uh, why not use Chris Jericho at the peak of his career to put somebody over, right? And uh, that's what Christian right, got here know? at WrestleMania. I thought it was a, a pretty good match. Um, not It wasn't necessarily the match of the card, but this one was pretty good to watch. You could sit there and watch all of it. Um, you see Christian do some good heel tactics. Uh, there's some pretty good spots off the top rope, as you'd expect from two guys like this. All in all, I really liked watching it. Yeah, this was another instance where they, uh, or both guys were definitely underutilized as singles competitors for the longest time. Uh, Jericho got his title run, but... Honestly, it was just a transition to get to Triple H at yeah. uh, WrestleMania. And uh, Christian did get his one main event run, but that was much later. And that's only because Edge had to retire. So, uh, Yeah, and I think Christian was given that title run similar to how Mark Henry was given his title run because you work long enough for the business and you're a good enough guy, they're going to give you something. So they gave him the world title as uh, just an offering for doing so much work, I think. Yeah, and, and he held it for a month, dropped it to Randy, had a couple matches with him but mm-hmm. all in all he had a pretty forgettable singles career now he did he did some good work in tna he went, as say, Christian he went, he went off to, to tna and got got a pretty Cage. good run there because i mean he he was good enough to work as a singles guy but i mean there's a lot of talent when he was trying to be a singles guy in the wwe yeah it's hard, it's hard to get over when you've got you know triple h uh john cena edge yeah, you know Randy all Orton those guys that, time, that were yeah. running the main yeah absolutely uh, it's hard to, you know, justify a push, you know, when you have such high quality guys in the main event. Mm-hmm. And uh, even even at this time, Jericho had spent time in the main event, but you couldn't justify putting him back, putting the title on him when you had, you know, Triple H and Shawn Michaels putting on the matches that they were putting on for the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, he was just in there at an unfortunate time and uh Pretty good singles guy, all in all, but I wish he would just been there at a different time. He w- he could have been something better. But he's a great, great tag yeah. team guy, obviously. He's one of the best ever in that aspect, but not as a Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you said, this was a very good match. Uh, there was some good storytelling in there uh, with Y2J selling uh, the knee injury during the match. And uh, Chris, Christian spent a good part of the time going after the knee. Uh, in my opinion, the, uh, the ending didn't suit a WrestleMania match. Uh, I thought that would be that's more of an ending for like a roadblock or you know a backlash kind of thing. Uh, WrestleMania is more about decisive victories and to have 
you know, Trish come out, uh, accidentally hit Jericho. Christian rolls him up for the one, two, three. I just, I didn't like it. It to me, it spoiled what was a pretty good match. Right, the, the ending was it could have been done so much better. And you said it right on. This could have been done at like the month before his pay per view as like a dirty heel win for Christian, and you take that one, you move into a WrestleMania, and the match should end decisively. It's where it's a good way to say it. But uh, I didn't like the ending in general. I didn't think the the Trish part was necessary at all. Of course, she'd come out to the ring as it was super expected as always and uh she'd get involved in the match and i don't know could have been better match before that it was pretty good though yeah yeah and and that's something that wwe does a whole lot is they overbook and this was a clear case of overbooking uh they they had to they had to send trish down there because she was part of this angle yeah and uh you know she cost jericho the match uh jericho was trying to you know, or she was trying to apologize to Jericho. She actually starts slapping him. Christian comes in and uh, hits him with the unprettier, and turns out Christian and Trish were working together the whole time. Apparently, yeah, they pulled like, the wool over our eyes. Where did this come? Like, who? They got us. Oh, you, you yeah. got me, Vince. And then we move on from storyline from there. So I don't, I don't know what it was really for, yeah. but uh, it, it, it really died after that. Yeah. And then uh. All right, so after this match, we go backstage once again, and uh, it's Lillian Garcia uh, interviewing Mick Foley. And now Mick, Vol- Mick Foley, he he went away. He was gone for four years. This was his first match in four years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll just have to say this. Uh, unlike Shawn Michaels, Mick Foley did not age well after being away for four years. Right. Nope. Uh, he considering didn't. considering nah. all the hell he'd been through in previous matches, I don't think anybody really expected him to come back and be – the greatest thing ever by any means he'd been through way too much hell in his life but uh he still had enough to work around the ring but not like we had seen before yeah he definitely was a, a lot slower uh he wasn't as crisp but i his body was put through a whole whole lot it was you know he was a beaten broken man so yeah so lillian's catching up with nick foley uh the rock shows up anytime rock Plus microphone equals absolute gold, and he was only the Rock can pull off, you know, this promo that he does, uh, and only he can say to a woman. And he could probably get away with saying this now. Uh, the, the buffet is closed. He told Lillian that the buffet was closed, <laughs> which I thought was the best line of the entire promo. Yeah, Rock, Rock was still obviously in great shape. He'd he'd done uh, I think two movies at this point. So he was still uh, he was Hollywood, but uh, he was still able to come back and put on good work in the ring. And his promos are never bad. Anything he says is just gold, man. Yeah, and he just he exudes charisma. He's just you put a mic in front of him, like you could just roll him out of bed, put a mic in front of him, and he'll cut three times the promo that you know these people nowadays can cut. Right. Which was why he was such a big star, and he's such a huge star now. Mm-hmm. He was definitely uh, big things. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to mention is that I loved the Evolution theme song. Evolution was... is a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was good. It was real good. Oh, it was so good. You know, may, may Lemmy rest in peace. Yeah, and to, to speak of Evolution, though, the, this was in the middle of their 
rise as a group, which led to greatness individually, not for Flair, of course, because he was well past his prime, yeah. but he yeah. was still in the ring, still trying to jump off the top turnbuckle. It's never worked, but... Um, <laughs> I think it was Jerry Lawler that mentioned that. It's, yep. like, it's never Jerry worked, Rick. It. Don't do it. For the 284th time, <laughs> this move has not worked. But it's a, it's a great spot that he sets up for everyone. Um, yeah. Orton was an IC champ at the time, getting a lot of run. Yes. You knew Batista was going to be big stuff, too. I liked having him in a group like this because it works once you separate them, just like the shield worked after you separated them. This was um, this was a good match for them to go up against two good, two good guys, Hall of Fame guys. Uh, at a at a big WrestleMania event like this to help get him over even more. Yeah, and and they, this was definitely uh, the build up to this was definitely focused on Randy Orton and Mick Foley because at the time Randy Orton was the Legend Killer. Right. Uh, he he had targeted Mick Foley, and uh, so a lot of this was just trying to put you know evolution over, put over Randy Orton for sure, and. I don't think at this point they knew exactly what they had in Batista, but yeah, he definitely became a huge star. Right, there's there there a reason for that. They never let him really talk a whole bunch. You saw those that vignette in the back was all Randy Orton talking. So yeah, he, Batista had a bit more to grow, but you, I mean, just the way he moved in the ring, his move set, how big he was, you knew there was going to be something of him. I'm sure they didn't know exactly that he'd turn into one of the bigger stars, but they knew he, they were onto something with all of them. Absolutely, and. Uh, Personally, I I preferred Batista over Randy Orton in the end. Anyway, uh, he's he's another one of those people that left, went to Hollywood, and you know ha- is becoming a bigger star now than he was before. Right, he's even, he's getting bigger now as he's getting older. He's getting pretty, pretty good roles, and he's made uh, some hell of success for himself. Which is always good to see. I love when these wrestling guys, you know, they put their bodies on the line. They they put in all the hard work, years and years of traveling and wrestling every night and you know they get rewarded you know people like the rock and you know mm-hmm. batista and, and there there's others in history that have gone on to make something of themselves outside of the wrestling world and it's always good to see that sometimes it's not the best to see them come back and win the royal rumble but <laughs> it's it's usually used for batista. a good purpose because i mean that that had a, had a good ending and leading up to wrestlemania but maybe he should have just stayed gone at that point but that's that's another subject in itself but yeah, I, I could talk about that Royal Rumble and how they, you know, maybe should have pulled the trigger on Roman Reigns then, but you know, we'll get that. That's something we'll talk about on another day. But uh, th- this was definitely a sloppy match. It wasn't, you know, with, with just the amount of star power and having you know five Hall of Famers in this match. You know, you'd expect, you know, uh, a little more crisp clean wrestling but you know Mick Foley had been gone for a while the rock was no longer a, a full-time wrestler so so it was a bit sloppy but the nostalgia alone helps add a little bit to the match make it uh make it you know a, a little better than you know it, it should have been really yeah it was full and, of nostalgia uh, that's for sure the um, yeah. rock wasn't crisp anymore as like you said flair had not been crisp for a long time the other two were both orton and batista they they look good but mick and the rock they weren't in there to put on a technical match that's not what they were there for they were there to to draw for wrestlemania which they did they both got big pops when they came out and they were there to just put on a a mid a mid-level match with uh, a bunch of their kids that were supposed to be getting a good push that was the goal of this and it worked out Oh yeah, it did, and uh, you know you expect the baby faces to get the win here, but 
like with every pay-per-view at this time, Evolution came out on top. Evolution was the quintessential, you know, they were the brand. You know, you, you always expect that Evolution was going to come on, come out on top just by how they were booked. And, uh, and they came out on top here. But, uh, you know, the New York crowd did, did wonders. You know, they, they gave Mick Foley a standing ovation after this. You know, which was really good to see. You know, Mick being from New York, right? It was a, uh, it was really good for him to, you know, get that acknowledgement from the crowd. Yeah, and I, I thought that uh, Evolution winning was better than what The Rock and Mick would have done with winning. There wouldn't have been anywhere to go with that. Evolution kind of needed the push, and I like that they used two guys like this. Although I hate to see The Rock lose. I mean, he's my dude, but to have him get pushed like this at, at a major major Wrestlemania being the 20th and then by two guys like this I think it was better than had it gone the other way you know I uh I didn't really think about it like that and you know you bring up a great point you know they that was really the way to go you know you have your young guys like Randy Orton and Batista you know you want them to win you don't want to lose their momentum and uh I, I wish that's something that they did more now you know mm-hmm. you know you have young guys that you're you're pushing you don't you know this 50/50 booking it, you know you're killing people's momentum they did a really good job with evolution building up their momentum and keeping their momentum going until they you know did split and their splits were great other other than Orton he didn't really really have a great split from evolution mm-hmm. not like Batista but yeah you know you're right evolution was the right choice i didn't really think about it like and that and this this kind of started a little bit of what we see now because the match ends with uh, JR screaming RKO out of nowhere when Randy Orton hits the RKO literally out of nowhere on Mick Foley and they get this kind of quick unexpected win that you know it didn't have any momentum to it it just came out of nowhere and kind of caught everyone by surprise and Mick Foley even rolls up right after the pin and looks shocked because he wasn't ready for it and that's uh, something we see to this day them using Randy Orton's finisher out of nowhere and that phrase and him doing it quick this was a, a good way to start it yeah, no, and the RKO is one of my favorite finishing moves. Much like the Diamond Cutter was in WCW, uh, I, RKO, in my opinion, is even better because of the way Randy Orton does it. And he does do it out of nowhere. Uh, just recently on that uh, SmackDown, whenever Randy Orton turned on Kane and hit him with that RKO to join the Wyatt family, mm-hmm. you know, I love it. I, I just love how he does his finishing move. It's great. And he's great in general. He'll be a Hall of Fame guy because he's uh, been able to sustain a pretty solid career since then, since before this match, actually, up until now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, all the world titles he's won. Like I said, all five of these people are Hall of Famers. So, you know, you had a lot of star power in this match. Yeah, the match was a little bit underwhelming, but uh, this is kind of what we expected, I think. Exactly, and and, and you're right on that. And then uh, after this match, we go backstage to probably the best backstage vignette of the entire night and that was when uh, Eddie Guerrero went backstage, went into the locker room to meet up with Chris Benoit and uh, he gives Benoit uh, an inspirational speech you know, which, you know, Benoit you know, replies, you know, this is my night, you know, I'm doing this tonight mm-hmm. you know, 18 years, you know that has, has come down to this Yeah, you know, it, it was a great promo from both of them, Eddie's like, you know, this is what I've been waiting for, this is the Wolverine I've been looking for that was so great to see because you knew how close those guys were and they've been close for so long. And for them to both be at a WrestleMania, this was a really good, um, especially guys that followed those two throughout their career. This was great to see. Yeah, and both of these guys had, you know, 
wrestled each other around the world. They wrestled each other in Japan and Mexico and WCW and WWE. And, you know, it was good to good for the WWE to kind of pull back the curtain on, you know, these uh, both of their past and let you know, like, hey, these guys are friends. You know, they've known each other for so long. You know, there right. is a bond between these two. The real life Which bond. made, yeah, which made the ending to this pay-per-view that much better. And we'll get to that, you know, afterwards. But, mm-hmm. yeah, this was a great backstage promo. And I think this, after this, this leads to the Hall of Fame induction. Is that right? Is that what was up next? Uh, I Yes, I believe so. Uh, did the Hall of Fame. With Gene uh, because it, Yeah. Yeah. Gene Gene. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of them parading out everyone in the middle of the pay-per-view. It kind of takes away from the momentum of the pay-per-view. And it's one of those one of those instances that I usually just skip over whenever I'm watching. Or if I'm watching live, I just kind of, you know, that's when I go get my beer or yeah. go get more snacks. This was a bit of a time filler because it took quite a bit. They had a pretty long list of, of guys they wanted to bring out. But, I mean, I don't think they're ever going to get away from this, from doing it at WrestleManias now because they want to showcase some of the guys who are deserving and some of the stories, some of the guys who've really built the company. So I don't think this is ever really going to go away. But uh, maybe the classes will go down to being a smaller size. That might be nice. But... Yeah, instead of having, you know, 12 people being inducted. and That's what makes watching the actual Hall of Fame ceremony hard is because, like you said, they do have so many people. And, yeah. you know, each person talks for, you know, 20 to 30 minutes, some some even longer. So uh, it, it's hard to sit there and watch, especially if there's people that, like, like this last year, you know, Rikishi and, you know, mm-hmm. some of the other. It's hard to sit and watch these inductions. Right. Whenever you're really not that invested in the people to begin with. And that's what it takes people to be invested. I really didn't care much for the guys in the Hall of Fame induction right here. Obviously, I like Superstar Billy Graham, Slaughter, and Ventura. They were the, the headliners for me. But uh, the rest of the guys, it was just a waste of time. Not that they didn't deserve it, but I mean, I'm just not that interested in sitting there watching them being paraded around. Uh, after, after that promo, uh, we have the WWE Cruiserweight Championship Open. And uh, go ahead and sit down as I read off the <laughs> list of people in this match. You had uh, Chavo Guerrero, Nunzio, and Chavo was the champ at the time. Nunzio, Jamie Noble, Tajiri, Akio, Funaki, Shannon Moore, Ultimo Dragon, Billy Kidman, and Rey Mysterio. Whew, let, me, let me take a breath after that. Right? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. And and this is it's an interesting concept, you know. They they built it up as like, oh, this is the first ever, so so they had plans to continue this, but it it, it died after after this. And uh, how it happened is that you had these, uh, I believe, ten individuals. They all yeah, there was ten. They all drew random numbers. Uh, it started off with two in the ring. Once someone got pinned, uh, next person came in. Uh, so it just kept going until there was only two people left, and then last man standing is your cruiserweight champion. And uh, it was an interesting concept. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, and and a lot of these guys were really talented, and you know they put on a pretty pretty good show. Now, some of them, like Nunzio, uh, Akio, were just shouldn't been in there, but. You know, whatever. It's WrestleMania. You got to put in as many people as you can in these matches. Yeah, half of half of these guys were not that talented in the ring, 
half of them were extremely talented in the ring. So we were bound to get maybe a little bit of of slow pace if some of these guys were to mix it up in the ring. But then again, some of the pace was a, really going to quicken when you see a dude like Ultimo Dragon or Kidman in there to really pick up the pace. And that's that's really what we got. Most of the match was pretty exciting, though. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad you brought up those two. I, I loved Ultimo Dragon you know, as a kid. He was mm-hmm. one of me and my brother's favorite wrestlers. Kidman, Kidman and Noble were also pretty underrated. And they I were. can't help but wonder that if Kidman was in his prime now, I feel like he would be feuding with Rollins, and they'd be putting on, you know, four and five star matches left and right. Yeah, Kidman can do literally everything, aside from having in, like an extensive background in kicks and crap. He could do everything besides that, and he probably would. That'd be a great matchup. Yeah, he hit that shooting star press on the outside on top of right from the uh, top rope. Yeah, and that that was absolutely insane. Like he, like you said, he could do it all, and he was he was a big cruiserweight. Yeah, he was a big that's why guy. I think, yeah. yeah, that's why I think nowadays he he would be, you know, wrestling with the big boys. He'd be wrestling with Rollins and Ambrose, and those kind of guys. Instead, he's sitting at gorilla position, you know, helping call matches. Right, and but thank God he is because he's a great technician. Absolutely. He's a, he's oh, a smart yeah. in-ring worker, and he has been since early WCW when he was a kid doing stuff like that. So it's great that he's uh, a part of the creative down there, and I think I hope he can stay there because. SmackDown has been working oh, since, since the brand split. And if it's Billy Kidman a part of it, let it keep going. And I'm glad you brought up his WCW days uh, He was when he was in the Ravens flock. <laughs> and uh, he, he, his gimmick was that he never showered. So, And his finishing move, his shooting star press, was called the seven-year itch. Seven-year itch, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it yeah, worked. I'm glad you – yeah. Yeah, I was just going to add that there were some pretty good spots in here. Most of the match was entertaining. Yep. We saw great cruiserweight work, just like we should, from Dragon and Mysterio. And even Jamie Noble put on some stuff in there. But, uh, you know, the guys like Akio and Funaki and Shannon Moore and Nunzio, they were just there as fillers to make the match go a little bit longer. And it ended up with a Chavo victory using his dad to, to yeah. kind of heal himself senior. over. Chavo Sr. And he, he took a spot from Rey Mysterio also. He, Mysterio a great jumped, spot. Oh, my jumped goodness. Over he jumped over Charles Robinson outside of the ring, and he caught him. Thank God yeah. he caught him. And yeah, that was a close one. Chavo, yeah. had, Chavo Sr. had to kind of run up to catch it. But it was, it was a good spot that they, that they worked, and Chavo cheated to win, as you'd expect a guy like Chavo to do. I was okay with him winning like that, like a Guerrero to do. I was okay with him winning because he was, he was pretty good as a heel guy in that cruiserweight uh, land back then. So I was okay with it. Rey Mysterio gets his push, so you can't say he was held down from that. No, and... This match had a lot of great action. It was pretty fun. Uh, it was the smart choice to, you know, give Chavo the win and kind of give it in a underhanded way because that doesn't – when you lose like that, it doesn't really take away from any momentum. So Rey Mysterio didn't really go down at yeah. all. He didn't really lose any momentum. He just became a more sympathetic figure. And the uh, the, the match that he put on and, and the stuff that he was doing put him over even more. So I loved it, Ray back all then. in all, it, I loved his Flash outfit he was wearing. He was the Flash that when he came fantastic. out. That's right. <laughs> that was fantastic. But it, it was a great match. Well, great for what it was. Great for what it was. Yeah, really, yeah. really good as expected, and a good win for Chavo. So you guys right, no- so- noticed that we we had the win there for Chavo. We did skip over. The women's evening gown match, the Playboy evening uh, gown match gross. with Tori, 
Miss Jackie, Stacy Keebler, Sable. Sure, they were hot, but this was fucking disgusting. Novelty items at best used for sex appeal to sell. Vince McMahon, you're good at what you do, so Damn keep it, doing Vince. it. Damn it, Vince moment. The match was... It wasn't a match. I'm not going to call it a match. It was just uh, a piece of entertainment. So if you don't mind, folks, don't kill us for that one. But we're moving on to Brock Lesnar and Goldberg. Which is probably another match we should skip. But you, you can't help but talk about this match when talking about WrestleMania 20. Right. And I want to uh, pose this question to you real quick. Because okay, go. Pick, picture this. Had they not added the, the extra piece of Stone Cold Steve Austin into this match and it was simply Lesnar versus Goldberg – with the same type of lead-up, but without Stone Cold at all, the match would not have mattered whatsoever. Do you agree with that, or no? Uh, well, here's the thing. Dur- during that match, there was a lot of different chants, like, you mm-hmm. sold out, yep. uh, na-na-na-na, hey-hey, goodbye, kind of stuff happening. Right. And that would have happened, like you said, either way. Having Stone Cold there is the only reason why this match even I don't know like existed because Stone Cold was the only positive that happened in this match because when absolutely nothing was going on when they were having 40 second tie collar elbow tie ups yep. Stone Cold was the only thing that kept any kind of interest at all at all right. this is when a time people could have li- this is when people would have left to go get food because unless they were sitting there ready to go chant at Lesnar, na 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 goodbye, and talk crap to him, they still wanted to see Stone Cold. So even though Stone Cold wasn't a full-time wrestler, he was still obviously a great piece of selling, like a, a great device to sell with, and Vince would use him. And that's the only reason I think people watched this match, because it, the match was still very enticing, because both these guys were really good, you know, big, huge dudes that were good in the ring. But no but one they just cared. didn't care at all about this. Like, exactly. either of them... Just put on the. They spent, they spent about the first three minutes just walking around staring at each other. Because mm-hmm, they didn't know what then to they do. Would, exactly. Then they would have minute long, minute long test of strength, collar and elbow tie ups, mm-hmm. where they would just kind of stand there. One person would push someone two steps back, the other one would push them back, and then they would break up, make a face at each other, and do it again. Like it was, it was absolute trash. Part Even of it, when they started doing moves, it was it was trash. You're right. That's a great way to say it. Part of this was Brock Lesnar, and he still does this to this day. He won't go over match work with anybody prior to a match. This is what he did with Goldberg. They didn't talk about, aside from the ending, they didn't talk about what was going to happen. So that's why the beginning was very awkward and weird because neither of them had discussed or wanted to discuss how the match was going to work. And this is exactly what we got. We got random ass tests of strength, and we got this awkward amount of pause in between they start before they started the actual match. And I feel worse, the worst for Jr. and King because they tried their best to put this thing over. Jr. Yeah. tried so many times to be like, oh well, you know, you know, they're they're just so evenly matched. And King would be like. Oh, they they must be you know scared to try and you know they don't want to make a mistake or something. It was like if I if I had to give this match a rating on the uh, Dave Meltzer five star scale, ah, it would be a negative uh, twenty five star match. All right, pretty well said. Okay, that's good. I think we all knew Goldberg was going to win it though, because Lesnar leaving the way he was, it was very well known. Even though there wasn't a lot of uh, social media, wouldn't have 
it wasn't around as much as back then, so we didn't know the whole story. But even general fans knew that Brock Lesnar was leaving. That's why yeah. he saw a lot of the chance. So Goldberg winning, although it really didn't matter, um, was no. the best move. I, I thought it was fine that he speared him and jackhammered him and ended it. And then Austin gets the last word on both of them in the end, which I think was at least saving grace to keep this match somewhat interesting. But even at that point, it was too late. <clears throat> yeah, and, and I definitely agree with that. Austin giving everyone a stunner and all is forgotten. That pretty much put... It, it put the Band-Aid on the uh, open wound that was the Brock Lesnar-Goldberg match. Right. Which is why I, I find it so surprising that people are, are clamoring so hard for a second Lesnar-Goldberg match. I mean, some fans are going to love it. Some are going to hate it. I do think it's still enticing because it's going to sell. Because, I mean, I do want to... I do want the picture. I want to see them standing across the face from each other in the ring, and maybe they'll fix what they didn't do, and we'll get something good. But, I mean, Goldberg's too old now to put on any kind of type of 20-minute match. No, you're right, and I can't help but think that this is just going to be another Lesnar squash match, the way, they, the way they've booked Lesnar, you know, these last few years. Yeah. So... Not if this leads to Goldberg going into the Hall of Fame next year. He's not going to lose like that, but it could easily be something along those lines with a weird ending like we saw at SummerSlam. Yeah, and I, I, I can agree with that. Uh, he's definitely going to go into the Hall of Fame in the next year or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might get one more WrestleMania match coming up and then go into the Hall of Fame, or this could very well be his last match like he's claiming it will be. Yeah. But he's saying that he wants to try and, you know, he wants to see how this, this match plays out and then kind of decide from there yeah so it, that'll be it, it takes it takes more time than what we have right now to see if he's going to be anything more than a one-time match and that match might not even be good but we'll see at survivor series yeah uh moving on uh thankfully from this match uh yes, on to the next vince McMahon, uh, yeah vince mcmahon comes out uh you know he, he was still a major heel at the time but he definitely comes out breaks character and just to thank the wwe fans for making wrestlemania what it is today and uh, it was definitely a classy move from him, entirely out of character. He just he he wanted yeah. to come out and show his appreciation to the fans that that made WWE what it is. W- without the fans, you know, WWE doesn't win the Monday Night War. WrestleMania is not as big as it is and was at the time. So uh, this was definitely a uh, a very classy move by Vince. I definitely liked it. I liked that he broke character and spoke some real words. The timing was a little bit weird. You know, the center of the card before the. Fatal 4-Way, I kind of would thought it would have been better if he would have let off with it. It could have been a little bit better to build up the match a little bit and kind of would have made the crowd clap and get a little more excited. But nonetheless, it was still really nice to see him do it. Yeah, and then uh, after that, we do have the second uh, tag team match for the uh, tag team championships for SmackDown. And you have the world's greatest tag team, versus which was Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas, uh, the APA, the Basham Brothers... Yeah, and uh, Rikishi and Scotty Tuhati, who were the champions at the time. Yeah, this is towards the end of the the APA and their actual tag team runs because we know JBL goes on, does some good individual stuff after this. He becomes JBL and wins the title just three months later. Yep. So it, you, it was it was good that they didn't win the titles, obviously, but uh, we see good stuff from him. The Basham brothers, I think Doug and Danny, or Doug and Doug and Dave. Yes, maybe I'm thinking Doug of and Bu- Danny of Busted yeah, Open. It was Doug. <laughs> That's Doug and Dave. <laughs> Okay. No, it, it was Doug and Danny. Yeah, you were right the first time. Okay, so the, so they're in here as a filler. Uh, the world's greatest tag team, they were they were amazing. Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas, they were great. So uh, athletic. 
so athletic, and the the stable with him and Kurt was was amazing. Rikishi and Scotty Tuhati here, both of them not great in the ring individually. They were super over just because they were so charismatic. Uh, just like we we've talked about before, uh, Scotty Tuhati, he was definitely uh, very over with the crowd just because they're ridiculous. That that was the great thing about Too Cool, mm-hmm. uh, especially with Rikishi, is that it was just it was ridiculous. They were crazy. They they did you know the dancing they did mm-hmm. was. You know, it was fun. They were, they, they were a of fun entertainment. Team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this this match was definitely not as good as the first tag match, uh, but man, one of the best spots was the the clothesline that Bradshaw gave. I don't remember who he gave it to, but God, he apt- he took their head off. Like literally, yeah. I think their head was flopping around. <laughs> they had uh, they had. Uh... Bradshaw go into one of his you know power up moments where I think he hits the last call fall away slam outside the ring on somebody, and then it's yeah. one of the it's one of the Bashams that gets him into a corner and tries to run against him, but then he does his takeoff and runs against the rope and then hits the giant clothesline from hell. I've always loved the clothesline oh, from hell. God. That dude took it well. I don't know. I couldn't tell the Bashams apart from each other, but one of them got no, destroyed. But this yeah, match, it, this match wasn't that exciting. I mean, this was a lot of ring veterans. You see both the APA guys, Rikishi, Scotty, these guys who who had been around for a bit. The Bashams were just a mid-card team. And then you had the world's greatest tag team, Benjamin and Hayes and Haas. They were, they were great. But I mean, the matchup here wasn't great for them to kind of, to kind of show up and put on a, a show. They couldn't really build a great match with this, I think. No. And like you said, the, the Bashams, I, I don't even think they were mid-card. I think they were more lower uh, card tag team. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, just like with the first one, you don't expect the the champs to drop the titles. No. And really, this entire pay per view, there weren't a lot of title changes. There were not. Think about it. I, I, I there think was, there was only there one. was only one. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it, it was just like you said, like we've said this entire uh, show is that there was a lot of filler. Mm-hmm. And this was definitely filler. You know, you you have fourteen. It was it was definitely shorter. Rikishi won by doing. Just dropping his butt on Danny. Yeah, so his, his version of the bonsai drop. Yeah. Yeah. The seated splash. Right, and this uh, one was over pretty quick. Yeah. Which it, it was good to be over. This is not one of those matches you want to be in minutes long. No. You know, five minutes get get a couple spots in, and then afterwards they do their dance. Which I love. So that. Yeah, Rikishi does ridiculous things. Neither one of them can dance well. So it's, it's just, <laughs> it's bad. They're just forms of entertainment, but we like them anyway. Yeah. Uh, next next segment is another filler segment, but it's uh, Jesse. Jesse Ventura comes out and he goes, oh, what kind of WrestleMania would it be without Jesse Ventura coming out and interviewing someone? Yeah, right. And it's, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe every single one of them before. Right, because this, this had never <laughs> happened before or since. Yeah. Yeah. So... But but he comes out and I, I thought I think this is apropos for what's going on now. In this the is world. perfect timing that we did this. <laughs> yes, he interviews Donald Trump at ringside and President requests elect. Trump. Yeah, well, not at the time, just not billionaire. Time, but, but today, Trump. yeah, yeah, uh, interviews him and asks him to help with Jesse Ventura's 2008 presidential run <laughs> that never happened. He did not run for president that year. <laughs> no, he did not. Never happened. Oh man. So that was great. And of course, Trump is like, ah, well, I'm a billionaire. Whatever. Yeah, quite political with his I'm gonna, answer. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to shave Vince's head in a few years. Yeah, you, you guys will see. 
and I'm going to take yeah. a stunner, but not take it well. I'm going to take the worst stunner you've ever seen. You think Vince takes a bad stunner? Well, Linda McMahon took the worst one, but he, his is a close <laughs> second. Maybe we could do a show on who takes the best and worst stunners. Oh, man, we'd have That's a That's actually a pretty list. good topic. Write that one down. Okay, Scott, down. Scott Hall takes the best stunner ever. Okay. <laughs> no, The Rock. The Rock takes well, the rock, best rock stunner. Well, Rock would sell. I think you'd, yeah. you'd argue for Santino Morella, but we're getting off topic. <laughs> <laughs> and Santino sighting. I love it. Right, anyway, so yes. Okay, so we're yeah, Donald fails. Yeah, Don- Donald gets his little words in. Uh, ben Ventura goes, goes back, and we finally get to move on to the next match. But when I say finally, I mean regretfully. Yeah, you go on, you go on and take this. I I kind of want to just zone out right now. Okay, I, yeah, and I, I'd like to too, but for the, the for the sake of it being a, the woman's title, uh, Molly Holly versus Vic, Victoria. She's the champion. Neither of them were – Molly was not good in the ring regardless. Um, Victoria, Victoria was, wasn't that good. She either. was not that good, but she wasn't bad. So no, you're right. For the time, she That's was what okay. we're getting right here when I describe this for the women's championship. Okay. And it's since – Obviously, much better increase now. We see we see great women's matches, but this one was not. This was a title versus hair match. I hated it. It leads into the next match. I hate it. Victoria wins. That's all I'm going to say. Molly's going to get her head shaved, and here we go. I'm so glad you brought up that it led into the next match. We don't get a high quality WWE production. You know, we don't get a great. You know, oh here's the here's Maybe the nice video here's package. the story. Yeah, no video package. What we get is Molly Holly's getting her head shaved, and then Kurt Angle's music hits. Are you freaking kidding me? You're going to have one of the best, of two of the best of all time. Don't get the decency of getting any kind of video package. You're just going to have them come out during, while, while Molly Holly's getting her head shaved. Are you kidding me? Like, I... Right There's now, no I'm losing my mind this, right now. Right. Just saying, yeah. As you should be. Losing my mind. Molly gets taken up the ramp. She gets forced into the barber's chair, and they begin cutting her hair. And it takes a long time. And the match fades away. We get, a, I think, a cut back to the commentators. And then all they say no, is... No, it just, it just... Kurt's music hits. Okay, so there is no cutback. So, but, I mean, no. they, intru- they introduce the title and say the match is next. And then we see the angle swing over back to the ramp. And who do we see? Oh. Still getting her fucking hair cut. And then yeah, you, Kurt Angle's oh. music hits, and I'm like, okay, I guess we're gonna do that. And good, I mean, the match obviously saved this this segment because it was gonna be great yeah. anyway. But I want that video package. I want to relive Kurt Angle talking his trash, saying he's gonna bring the title back from a drug addict and Eddie Guerrero. I want all that because right. I, I need it. But we didn't get it. But we get them both coming down to the ring, and thank God the match was great. Yeah, and the announcers had to bring up a lot of the build during the match, which you know kind of takes away which you know, from the action. No, not at all. Like you should know what's going on beforehand. Mm-hmm. It, it absolutely blew my mind that they didn't do that one. So it's it's just a shame that they didn't get that video package, and we got to see that damn haircut. Yeah. Anyway, these are the two two of the best of all time. Kurt Angle is absolutely top top 10 one of the best entertainers and wrestlers of all time uh eddie is one of the best ring technicians also of all time mm-hmm. and there was a lot of great mat work in this match uh it, it was great uh we got the precursor to the uh 
I don't know if you noticed this, there was a precursor to the uh, Let's Go Cena, Cena Sucks with the uh, Let's Go Angle, Angle Sucks chance. Okay, yeah. I was just going to say, this was a slow, methodical match, just how I like it. I love the style of wrestling. You know, yeah. you got a slow build, and then it's it's strong, fast finish. You know, a lot of stuff happens at the end, but it's a slow build towards it, so you get more emotionally invested into it. Right. This match could have been the main event match because it's it is main event quality. Obviously, it's the WWE Championship with two great guys. They tell a story in the ring, which you want in every high caliber match, and these two are one of the two of the best at doing it. They're both great technicians. Eddie was super over. <clears throat> Kurt, Kurt Angle was still super over, even though he was a heel, because you can't really hate Kurt Angle that much, regardless. But this match, it delivered exactly how you want a championship match to go at a WrestleMania. Exactly, and uh, throughout the match, Kurt was working on Eddie's midsection. I, I love just like with the Christian working on Jericho's knee. I love when wrestlers, you know, tell that kind of story where Isolate you know, one guy. Exactly, you know, old school wrestling. You know this this. This beats that flippy shit any day. And you know how I feel about that flippy shit. Yeah, I don't want to get you started on tangent because we'll, yeah. we'll go off on okay. that one. But uh, this one had, this one had good kickouts too. When Eddie hit the frog splash, oh, yes. even I, though I didn't I didn't think the match was going to be over, I kind of bought it for a second. I was Disbelief kind of sucked me in, and Kurt Angle did a nice kickout on that one, which kept the match going a little bit longer. Yeah, I wrote that down, that, that the kickout after the frog splash definitely had me, uh, had me going. But uh, the best part, you know, Angle starts working on the on the ankle, starts doing the ankle lock, yeah. and then Eddie unties his boot. You know, love it. It's I, absolutely I love it. Like this is this is how Eddie Guerrero should win every match. Every match, unties his boot. Angle's trying to do the ankle lock, and he and Eddie's kicking his kicking his foot, kicking that boot off, yeah. and then it comes off, and he rolls him up and Ugh. gets the win. And you yeah. think, you know, usually if it was any other match, any other people, you think, just like with the uh, Jericho Christian match, how I didn't really like the ending, this was the perfect ending for these two, because that's just that's just how Eddie Guerrero was. I want Eddie Guerrero to win every match in a dirty, cheating way, and I want him to be a face when he does it every time, because this was great. This was a very specific type of cheating. But not necessarily cheating, just you know, doing it dirty by taking his boot off. And he played it so well, you know, him and Kurt lock eyes when he pushes Kurt out of the ring. And Kurt's running back in, and you see Eddie's mouth kind of go, "Oh shit!" And he tries to like squirm away, but it's all planned, you yeah. know. And then he, he sticks his, his he sticks his foot out there to yeah. like, "Oh no, don't get my foot!" Oh, and then he shoves it off, and Kurt kind of stumbles a bit, and <laughs> Eddie Eddie leans up a little bit, and Kurt, while holding the boot, runs right into the. I think he gets him with a small package. Small and, package, yeah. And it's a quick, not a quick count, but I mean, the the whole momentum is so quick, and it's over like that. And Kurt is so frustrated, still holding the boot, and he does his Kurt Angle kind of cry <laughs> face, and Eddie's just, you know, shaking his chest, and oh my god, I want to watch it again just to see that ending. And that was one of the, that was probably the quickest, fastest, most athletic small package I've ever seen. Super I'm pretty sure quick, they both right? got off the ground, and <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was impact on it. That's how he got the fin- he in That was... That should be a finishing move. Yeah. You that can was tell strong they, impact. They'd probably worked on it a couple times before then to hit it so quickly because it, it was so perfect the way it was. And for Kurt to hold onto the boot, man, I just – I don't know why oh, I love that part that so much. Great. But, but it No, was you over. have every right to love that part. And Kurt is so frustrated, but Kurt, you know, he can put anybody over. Not that Eddie needed over at this point because he was great, but Eddie yeah. winning here was amazing. Just, oh, just yeah. a, they, a really good match. 
they had a plan for this pay-per-view, the the finishes for it, and yeah. uh, it, it worked out to perfection. Oh man, now I'm gonna watch it again just just because I need to. But uh, and you know, the only thing that 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 bothers me, and the only thing that kind of took away from you know that match and then the the the, the main event is that the match before it, Kane yeah. versus Undertaker was just not a very good match. No, the it was nothing we, more we, than a squash. It was a glorified squash match just to reintroduce, you know, the dead man gimmick. Yeah, that's all we, it was. We got our our video package. We got a really good video package for this one. But uh, it was it was a good one. But where but, was the one for Kurt Angle and Eddie right, Guerrero? But this match should be bumped down one more spot. But it, it was for the Undertaker, I think, kind of deserving to be higher on the card. Tight mentality with these two. Um, Undertaker being reintroduced, like you said. But we get a really good package. We get his probably his best WrestleMania entrance with this one. I love this one where he walks through the flames. But the match was an extended squash that we knew the Undertaker was going to win, and they both got in a couple of their you know signature high profile moves. And yeah, I don't know. Kane stayed frustrated Undertaker. throughout the match because of you know because the Undertaker is not literally dead. I guess he expected him to be literally dead because <laughs> well, yeah, he buried him alive. I, if I got buried alive, I'd be right. dead. Right, but uh, we live in the world where the Undertaker can't die. <laughs> this is true. Uh, to to be fair to both of these guys, they were both in tremendous shape. This was probably the best yes. shape Taker was ever in. I wrote that down because Kane, Kane was Kane in looks amazing. Too. Yes. Yeah. But uh, and, uh, the, these guys both have the same type of uh, you know ring style. They're both kind of good big strikers that do big power moves. So it's kind of hard for them to work great in the ring together when you don't have something opposite to go with. They're a great tag team. They work great together. They just mm-hmm. don't work great against each other. They've never had a real. They've never had good matches against each other, which is no. a shame because they're they're two of the Good two of the best. best big to ever ever be there. The best part of this whole thing was Paul Bear for me, honestly, when he came back when he came out. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, you know. And oh, he, take and, and the the crowd kind of gave him a little pop because he was back, and then it leads to. I guess the whole entrance scene is probably the best part of this. But uh, yeah. we, we see a choke slam and we see a tombstone and we see a one, two, three, and The Undertaker remains undefeated at WrestleMania 20. Yes. Uh, and then finally, we come up to a probably the best lead in and the best video package of all the match. The, the build to this match was absolutely stunning. You had. Triple H—it's—it's it's the triple threat match for the World Heavyweight Championship. Triple H, the champ, going up against Shawn Michaels and Chris Benoit. And uh, up up to this point, Shawn Michaels has been sc- scratching and clawing, trying to win that. T- he's come so close to winning the championship, and you know, but Chris Benoit won the Royal Rumble, and he decided he—he's going to leave SmackDown, come over to Raw to go after the World Heavyweight Championship. And mm-hmm. Chris Benoit became the second person to start at number one. And win the Royal Rumble. Right. Shawn Michaels was the other one, <clears throat> and so he decides he's going. But he's going to come to Raw, challenge for the uh, heavyweight championship. However, at the time, Shawn Michaels was like, no, I'm so close. This is my match. He actually during the contract signing, uh, super kicks him and signs his own name in, and that how that's how it led into becoming a triple threat match. Yeah, and this started out, I think at this point with uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels, they had already gone one-on-one several times prior to this to include the Rumble. I think think the fans, even though they were still invested in Shawn Michaels, 
I mean, they were kind of tired of seeing these two kind of go at it. That's why Benoit was so over. They were so invested in Chris Benoit showing up into the world heavyweight scene because he was a new face for it. And they, did, they didn't want to see Michaels and Triple H anymore. So they, him coming in and winning the Rumble the way he did, especially going 60-plus minutes, that was a feat. That's a great Rumble. But it kind of added the kind of can-he-win aspect to the match, which I thought was very good. And this video package was great. It led up to it. And the whole build was very good and to build a match that we expected to be great, and it turned out to be one of them. And I want to plug this also, that at the time, right after this match, IGN voted this the number two greatest match in WrestleMania history, only behind Stone Cold versus Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13. And obviously, that those rankings have changed a bit since then. We've seen a couple great matches. But at the time, this was number two ever in WrestleMania, and I kind of agree with it. This was absolutely a five-star match. I, I I wish the scale was even higher because I'd give this match even higher. It was it was a fantastic match, a fantastic build. And like you said, you know, yeah, they were getting tired of seeing Shawn Michaels versus Triple H, you know, week in, week out, pay-per-view in, pay-per-view out. Yeah, Shawn Michaels was still very over as a face. But, you know, bringing in Chris Benoit, that new blood, you know, he was very over. during the Throughout the entire match, you, you heard Benoit chants. You know, it was Benoit chants, yep. Yeah, because the fans knew his journey, and WWE did a great job building up. Like, hey, he's been he's been plugging away. He's been doing this for you know 18 years. This is, mm-hmm. you know, he he's finally getting his shot. And when WWE does that, you kind of expect like, okay, Chris Benoit, I'm pretty sure this w- is going to win this match. Right, but you're still but, left with that little bit, right? Oh yeah, absolutely, because it's Triple H, and right. at the time, Triple H just didn't lose. No, he didn't. But maybe they're like. They could have pulled Shawn Michaels finally getting over here in Triple H, or Triple H could have retained. This match had just enough disbelief, but we're still leaning towards Benoit, but you couldn't really commit to it. And there was quite a few moments in this match where you were like, well, this is this is where HBK is going to win. You know, yeah. set up perfectly for an HBK win. Then, oh, this is set up per- uh, Triple H. Oh, I can't believe they're going to have Triple H win, set up perfectly for that. Mm-hmm. And then... You know, there were a couple moments where Benoit had the crossface on Shawn Michaels, and you're like, Benoit's going to win right here. There were so many near falls, so many close calls, and just a lot of really good action in this match. The match uh, really never... Finish, including yeah. the entrances. Triple H had, I just, mm-hmm. he has a great entrance. Uh, all the entrances were great for all three of them. This match like, never really stopped, I think. it From when it started, it started off... Because, I mean, they all, they all go one-on-one with each other at some point where everyone's getting an advantage and then someone else is getting the advantage and then someone's really down and out because Benoit goes through a table. You see Shawn Michaels yeah. selling a whole bunch of blood on his face from the ring post. And Triple H. Yeah, he, he bladed, uh, he, he bladed yeah. a little hard for yeah, there. Because his, his face was dark. It was dark red. Yeah, I, was, I was scared. He sold it well, though. But the biggest pop of the night, the entire show, goes to the sharpshooter. When Chris Benoit yes. puts it on Triple H and the crowd, because it was believable that Benoit could win by submission. You think you were yeah. believing that this match? No matter what win, the submission, was. win by submission, he could win by the sharpshooter. So when he put it on Triple H, when Michaels was out of the ring, it was one of those moments where this is going to be it. It's going to be it, and it doesn't it doesn't end like that. But the crowd bought it, and I bought it too. Yeah, there was a uh, both both times when Benoit had Triple H. You thought for sure he was going to tap, and then there was that one time where. He had Shawn Michael and Shawn went to went to tap to the crossface, but uh, Triple H jumped in and grabbed his arm and stopped him from stopped him from tapping. Yeah, 
I truly but, thought yeah. the match was going to be over when Benoit throws Michaels over the top rope when he goes for the super kick. But, and then standing in the middle of the ring is Triple H waiting for Benoit to turn around and to set up a pedigree. Yes. And I was, at that point, watching it for the first time, I thought that that was going to be a good ending because it was a good setup for Triple H to win like that. And he turns it into the damn cross face, and then the crowd's like, well, time to cheer for this because it's about to be over. And then he, he gets so close to the rope, and then Benoit flips him over, gets him into the middle of the ring, and that's yeah. when you knew this is this is happening. It really was happening. Triple H sold it a little bit, trying to resist a little bit, and he held it long enough, and then, yeah. my dear God, he tapped out. <laughs> he, he did tap out, and the place went bananas and jr loses his mind and his voice yeah at he the does end of this match he is the world like, champion sold of this the... world was his line and <laughs> anything best J- of all time yeah jr the can say best. anything and he could put anybody over as we say in every episode it's kind of the you can the put a piece point. of wet holy bread over i think that this tap out but, yeah. too and this is this is an arguable point that we can talk about but as far as like major tap outs and major pay-per-views and major title wins, aside from, you know, Daniel Bryan has a great one, but this is this is one of the best ever, if not the best ever, especially for the moment that it was for Chris Benoit, because we don't see a lot of tap outs in major events like this. No, and you're right, and I think the two best, one and two, is Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30 and uh, Chris Benoit's at WrestleMania 20, and uh, Daniel Bryan had... His yes lock was very similar, uh, similar to right. Chris Benoit's crossface, and and I think they really, they, you know, they turned that into a triple threat match. They really, you know, ten years later, they tried to duplicate what they had with the Benoit win at twenty mm-hmm. and kind of replace it with the uh, Daniel Bryan win at thirty. And yeah, I, I this is going to be very debatable what I'm about to say, but I think you know as as great as the call that Jr. made at WrestleMania twenty, I think. Michael Cole's call at WrestleMania 30 is just a little bit better. Yeah, because and you're, and the, the, pro- yep. the problem with well, I am, but the problem with the one at 20 is that you know when he rolled over Triple H to get that final crossface in, Triple H, you know, Jr. starts you know yelling and and screaming, getting excited, but it lasted a little too long. Like I right. think Triple H should have tapped a little sooner than what he did. Okay. However, you know, I'm, I'm nitpicking here. It was, you know, a five-star moment. You know. So this match was, I think, worthy of the IGN voting at number two. Since then, it's probably changed, but you can easily say this is a five-star, one of the greatest, top five, whatever you want to call it, greatest matches ever, not only at a WrestleMania, and an even bigger moment for a guy like Benoit, who easily deserved this. That 18-year journey was real. It wasn't just storyline. This was real, sh- real shit that he'd gone through, and he deserved this, this title. And the moment is even better when Eddie Guerrero comes out. I know you love that part. And oh, that it, was it, just it an just amazing really, part. Yeah, it pulls on the emotions. Not only as just being a wrestling fan, but they kind of suck you in emotionally and say, "Wow, that was real. He actually won after all this time." Yeah, and then uh, after, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but after uh, Triple H tapped, uh, Benoit just laid there face face down in the mat and you can see the emotion you can see him crying yeah, you he just was crying. see it all yeah. just pour, yeah pouring out of him and and then when like you said when eddie comes out that just was the second best moment of the night after triple h tapping and mm-hmm. then they embrace in the ring and it was just it was a fantastic moment the, the only thing that would have made that moment even better is if 
you know, Eddie would have come in as the challenger and won the title. They both would have won the title that night. Right. But either way, they were both champions. Eddie comes out, you know, starts clapping for him, and then they embrace in the middle of the ring. And it was, at the time, it was the best WrestleMania moment of all time. Yeah, it really was. Biasly until Daniel Bryan, of course. Mm -hmm. But that's just... You know yeah, how I feel about that. When they when they hug in the center of the ring, you can see Benoit like, you know, convulsing with crying with emotion, like he's actually shaking because he probably can't believe that it's actually happened. And it's just real, you know, real tears are coming from him. And then he stands up on the top rope and shows off the world title. And it's just one of those great scenes that it's just. I mean, it's etched in my memory now, and it's great. Really, this uh, there there's about two or three matches that make the entire card you know stand out and make it a great it makes it a great pay-per-view uh there there was entirely too much filler there there were a few you know stinkers of a match mm -hmm. which you have to expect in such a long show but the eddie guerrero win the chris benoit win and just the quality of those matches make this card you know one of the one of the top you know maybe top five wrestlemanias of all time with one of the one of the top, if not the top, WrestleMania moment of all time. Yeah, this will go down as being one that could have been so much better, but it was so good even even with saying that. There were a couple matches that really held it together, and thank God they were on this card because it was so long. But uh, it's the WWE trying to get you know as much as they can out of this, and, and they did. They got a lot of guys some screen time, but some of the matches just weren't worth watching. But there were a couple of them on here that you go back and watch again and again and again because they were just so good. You know, WWE doesn't always get it right, but by God, when the WWE gets it right... When they do, it yep. it, it is absolutely... It, it, it stays with you forever. It's one of those things that you just never forget. Yeah, and this is, and this this is the stuff that makes moments. me watch... Exactly, this is, this is what makes me watch, is for moments like this. I can, I can deal with watching some crap every now and then if I know that eventually it's going to lead to a five-star match, because that five-star match will keep me watching the next day. For the next one and this is one of those things i'll deal with watching this five hour long card to see john cena get a, a good win and then to see eddie guerrero win dirty and then to see the raw emotion that chris benoit draws from winning you know nearly 20 years of a career to finally win the world heavyweight title this is what makes me watch as a wrestling fan exactly and even you know nowadays you know uh some more recent examples you know you put through or you you put up with the build for roman reigns versus brock lesnar and they put on they they put on a match that they shouldn't have put on as good of a match as they did, but they did. And then you yeah, have the Seth Rollins moment, mm -hmm. which made it even more amazing. And that, like you said, that's why that's why we watch. You know, people make fun of us for watching, but you know, you you sit there and you watch a good card. You watch great matches like this, and you know, people who aren't even wrestling fans will get emotionally invested into it. Right. Real emotion, man. It's a real drama. It is, and that's what that's what makes it such a great medium, and makes it such a great, you know, show to watch. Is when they do it right, you you get sucked in and you feel the emotion, and that that's what makes it such a makes it such compelling television to watch. Yes, all in all, I think it was good that we picked this one because I mean there were some clunkers in here, but to be able to talk about some of this, some of the real emotion and some of the real stuff in this, it, it was a good decision. We picked this one. Yeah, at first I wasn't too thrilled whenever uh, you brought up the idea, but I'm, I'm glad we did finally decide on it. And I definitely, 
I've definitely turned the tide and been swayed in your direction with the quality. Oh, good. Finally. Yeah. For once, you've uh, you've uh, swayed me. For once, you made me see your side of the story. Ah, damn it, Vince, though. I, I know. There was some damn it, Vince moments for sure. But all in all, they got they got everything right. Uh, once again, thanks for joining us here at the uh, Collar and Elbow Wrestling Podcast, doing our paper review of WrestleMania 20. There were some great matches. We had some great discussions. Uh, all in all, I'm glad we talked about it. How, as a whole, WWE once again got it right at the grandest stage of them all. If you feel that we missed out on something, or you know you have a topic you want us to talk about, or maybe another pay-per-view you feel that we should review, go ahead and let us know in the comments section below. Like and like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, find us on Facebook and. Uh, where we can have you know some good discussion, talk about pro wrestling, and also check us out on Twitter at C and E Wrestling. Once again, this has been Collar and Elbow Wrestling, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>